done. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another happy show. Uh, <laughs> I'm just looking at how I spelled episode, and I will change that in post-production. But hello, everybody, <laughs> and welcome to episode 61 of the Atlantic Bushcraft Adventures. Um, so tonight, we are going to be talking about what bugs you. And seeing you came up with the title, Ben, why don't you give us an introduction? Well, uh, yeah, sure. Uh, okay. Um, no, uh, spring's here. Uh, regardless of the snowfall we all got yesterday, I don't know about anyone else, but me and Robert definitely got some snow the last couple of days. Uh, most of mine's melted. I think Robert still got some. A little bit, but I mean, it'll be gone by tomorrow. Yeah. So, uh, but spring is here. Um, I am looking forward to getting out. It's been a while. It's, it's starting to bother me. But what I was, what we got talking about, I guess, is what's the worst part? What, what is the, and to me, it is the flies. Um, so I have a little bit of off fly spray here. I got a bunch of them over there. Uh, but how, how do you deal with the flies? Because in the spring, probably worse than any other time of year, they can get so bad to actually ruin a trip. I've, I've seen them where we've, I've had clouds of them coming after me. Um, and there's a lot of methods out there, different ones that I've tried over the years, different ones I've heard of. And I thought maybe we could just discuss how you deal with the flies. Uh, some make a lot of sense. Some are kind of ridiculous, but it's always fun. It's always interesting. I think every old fisherman for sure has, has got some kind of fly trick method out there. Um, one of my favorite ones I used to hear my grandmother used to talk about when she was growing up, they used to take the metal paint cans, empty of course, and they get a small fire going and they keep throwing grass on top of it. And you get that smoke going on. You put a couple of those in the yard and you have like a smoky yard. That smoke screen pretty well drives the flies away. Uh, it keeps, keeps it a lot more tolerable. Uh, so a smoky fire is, is one method for sure. Have you, I, I'm sure you've tried that, Robert. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, that was one of the tricks we used when we were out camping down at the waterfalls and stuff was to try and keep it a little smokier and um, keep, I think, down there, literally, not the black flies, the, the actual flies were a problem, if I remember correctly, and mosquitoes, of course, but mosquitoes are always a problem. Uh, something else I heard off, not just a smoky fire, but a specific type of smoky fire. Have you ever heard of, like, uh, burning usnea, um, sage, oregano, things like that, apparently? They add yep. an extra benefit of getting rid of different bugs and deterrents and stuff like that? I'm not really familiar with what else to add to the fire, because normally... Like you said, uh, having a fire outside tends to be smoky enough that once it saturates your clothes and kind of gets on your skin and stuff, the, the bugs tend to die down just naturally on that. But what's your thoughts about the additives to the fire? I'm sure it would work. Um, from my understanding, is stronger scents, smells, really disorientate and, and bother them. Like they, they are attracted to certain scents for sure. But when you get these really strong scents, that'll oftentimes make it difficult for them to sense you using the regular smells they're looking for. So that's one of the stories I've heard with that. They say most essential oils mixed up can can help deter flies and stuff. So sage or oregano or any of these things in the burning would add a, a different different um, smell to the fire and I think would, would further enhance that that 
driving of the flies away type effect. Uh, I was just reading Gary's comment over there. He said, uh, uh, I'm going to keep a PG just because we broadcast the audio out. But anyway, a big cigar. Just let it smolder for hours. And same kind of idea. It's still the smoke that's uh, effectively getting rid of the bugs. Um, and I think that's pretty much the common one that most people know is get a fire going, a little bit of smoke, uh, and it'll go. And as I said, I don't know about you, but I find as hard as it is to breathe and stuff around it, if you can get it kind of saturated into your uh, first set of clothes and it kind of gets that smoky smell on everything, even when you leave the fire, it tends to assist a little bit in warding off more of the bugs than if you hadn't done it. Uh, and it was, I'm, I'm trying to think like, uh, I know once again, when we're at the waterfall, I think the bugs are worse there than when we were at the, the lake. And when we walked down the river a little bit to look at that log and to look for uh, alders and stuff like that, even as we walked away, the bugs were never too, too bad. I mean, they were there, they were noticeable, but uh, it wasn't crazy. Like when we first got there and we hadn't started a fire or anything, like we were, we were swarmed pretty good. If anybody's seen the video of when Ben and I first pulled to the start of the road, um, like it was literally a black cloud. They were just there. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't. I think when we were at the lake, the flies weren't bad at all. That was later in the year. Um, the spring is definitely when I find it gets it's the worst. Um, and they also say, and I tend to agree, basically sun up and sun down. Just as the sun is going down, you get hitting that twilight hours. That is. What was that? I think that was my phone. Uh, <laughs> That is when I find the flies really come out and they can really bother, especially mosquitoes. Um, you said they can always be bad. Uh, black flies, sand flies is another one I know we talk about a fair bit. You know, when they get out there, they can really bother. And they can, they really can't ruin a trip. I mean, I've, I've had them where they're biting into your, your knuckles and your hands and they're getting around you, they cracks your eyes and it's hard to even like, close your eyes properly or open them fully. Uh, so it, it, it's really bad. Um, I often find too near in water, it's really bad. So like oftentimes if you're fishing, spring's a great time for fishing. You're gonna, that's sort of the, the best fishing is also the best time for fly or the worst, depending on how you look at it. So it's a great topic, I guess, to, to, to figure out how do you avoid it? I mean, we all, I think we've all tried the, the chemicals, um, the off stuff with, with DEET, or there's a couple other chemicals out there now that we can, we can use. Um, here's another one. I just these starts style. with I, and I can't remember what it is either, but I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Uh, but the big drawback to a lot of those chemicals, and I don't know if it's a drawback, but the big thing people are concerned about is you are potentially spraying chemicals on your clothes and body. So I know some people uh, try to avoid those things a little bit. Yes. Well, you remember that, I think it was Deep Woods or Ben's, I think was another one. Uh, and used to come in a little tiny jug with a little like cap on it. If you wasted that on like a, on a table with varnish on it, it would take the varnish clean off. It would melt plastic. Some plastics would melt under it. So it's a harsh chemical. You got to think if it does that to to that, like what is it potentially doing to your skin? Uh, what does it do to your clothes? It can soften buttons and stuff on your shirts and stuff. 
So that's kind of annoying and, and, and troublesome. The other option I was playing with this here earlier is the, like your screens on a, like a hat or something. So you can go with something like this. Uh, and to it, be fair, they do work. I mean, they completely uh, serve their purpose. It, it does. It does interfere with your vision. It kind of makes you look weird. But I mean, if you're the only guy out there, you really don't care what you look like. No, and as we were discussing before we started up, my biggest problem with them is they're hot. I personally find them very hot. Like, uh, you sweat profusely and the sweat can't go anywhere. It's always trapped against you. Yeah. No, for sure. Um, we talked about it with, like, your hammock. When you're sleeping in a hammock, if you get the screen up, you actually gain, you know, a few degrees warmth because the airflow isn't the same. Same thing with this. But now you get a nice warm day and you got a screen over you. And you, even if you have a breeze, you're not breathing as well as you'd like. And uh, But it does keep the flies off you. Uh, covering up as much skin as possible really helps. Um, so long sleeve shirts, preferably with something that closes a, a little bit. So, you know, if you got big wide open arms, they're just going to get inside and drive you nuts. Um, and that's actually and something that I've tried quite a bit in the last few years. Like I used to be notorious for shorts and t-shirt. You know what I mean? Like I'm a minimalist when it comes to clothing in the woods just because I like to stay cooler. But the trade-off is you get eaten alive with bugs. So I've switched to trying to wear more brightly colored, longer clothing. Um, and you do get used to the additional heat. And if you get good stuff like Gore-Tex and stuff like that or any moisture wicking kind of material, it actually helps a lot with uh, staying fairly temperature regulated, but it helps immensely with the bugs. And that's another good point. You mentioned bright clothing. So dark clothing, especially black, um, tends to be really harsh um, for flies. It's, it's significantly worse. So that's something to really keep in mind. Um, checking our video here. Yeah, and I was just answering Gary. Gary said, try wearing a mask for eight hours a day at work right now. Bug net will be a welcome change. And my work's requiring me to wear it just like him. I'm in there for eight to nine hours a day, and we have to put it on from the second we walk into the parking lot to we get back in our vehicles. So I hear that's, you. That's harsh. That's harsh. Oh, man, I they're mean. giving me headaches and everything now. Like, it is just miserable. And I always thought, oh, you know, it can't be that bad. When I was looking at the nurses and stuff that were complaining about it. You know what? All new respect for those people because they're working even longer shifts than I am. And, I mean, your face starts to get chafed up through around your nose and the back of your ears hurt. It is actually quite miserable. I'm not going to lie. No, um... One of the things at work I may have to do in the next little while, they, they're actually talking about getting us to wear full face or full half face respirators for it. Um, so that'll be four hours straight with respirator on. So that'll be, that'll be fun and exciting for me. Uh, all I can say is get the ones that clip behind your head and not around your ears. They, that's the worst part for me is my ears. Yeah. Well, the, the half mask respirator is, you know, I get the two canisters, so it's a full apparatus, so it's not pulling on your ears. And it's fairly comfortable. I mean, we use them for working in some pretty tight, confining areas, so it's it's not going to be horrible. Now, um, funny enough, uh, a little segue into what we're talking about, plus the mass. 
when I used to work at Natural Resources, we did this, and we've talked about it in previous shows, I did this activity called PGIs, or Pellet Group Inventories, which is basically you pick a, uh, well, you don't pick a straight line. The lines are generated and given to you. And you have to walk a kilometer in a straight line, and every 100 meters you have to count rabbit poop or pellets. You know what I mean? And it just gives a... It gives us an idea of what the rabbit population's doing, and you mark any uh, deer pellet piles and stuff like that. It, it just gives a little glimpse of what the population's doing in an area, right? It's not the be-all, end-all of how they get their statistics, but it's one more thing. And there's two PGIs I can remember that I actually ended up wearing a surgical mask to try it because the second you stopped, you got swarmed with bugs. Like, I don't mean just a few bugs where you're swatting them away. I mean, if you stop and try to breathe, they're in your lungs kind of thick. Because a lot of these PGIs will take you through middles of swamps. There's one that was on an island. I mean, it's just... The bugs are atrocious. And of course, they're always done in May. So, <laughs> during spring, during green-up. Uh, actually, you have to get them done before green-up. And so the bugs are absolutely the worst they can be. As you said, spring tends to be the worst time for it. So another option, if you're into it real thick like that, is potentially a surgical mask could help you stop from inhaling them. But uh, it adds another element of difficulty breathing and heat, of course. So keep that in mind. Yeah. Yeah, uh, for sure. Um, anything you can, yeah. If you start breathing them in, it sucks. You're getting them in your eyes, getting them in your ears. Really, that's one of the ones I can remember. Drive me nuts. Uh, so what have we covered? We've covered sort of natural, you know, essential oils, the oregano style stuff. We've talked about a bit about like um, a screen. Um, and that kind of comes to like at camp, like not when you're just hiking around and stuff at camp, a decent setup for your camp helps like if you got a little campfire you got smoke going that helps uh if you have the, the bug screen on your hammock and you can sit in your hammock that's pretty cool when the flies are the worst you can kind of get in uh but i guess the downside we talk about this various other times the downside with the hammock is then you're kind of stuck in the hammock you can't really socialize although like even a setup we had at the at the the waterfall we were facing each other in our hammocks. So like we had the, the edges of our tarps up so we could look over and yeah. see each other stuff. So, I mean, we could still sort of socialize, talk, converse, whatever. Um, but with a, a tent or something, you can get in. A couple of people could get in and sit down. You can potentially still cook inside of a, a space and get away from the flies. Uh, and like I said, the worst is twilight time. I find probably like a, a good hour in the evening, a good hour in the morning when the flies are, can be like usually the most unbearable. And then for the rest of the day, they'll be bad, but they get better. Is that, is that a good way to put it? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's the only way you can put it honestly to explain it. And if you don't know um, what we mean, you will the first time it happens. Um, I haven't tried this, but I kind of really want to. Every time I see the price, though, it stops me. Um, Mark's Work Warehouse has the no-fly zone clothes. I don't know anything about them, first of all, me. Okay, they have hats, they have a scarf, they have shirts, they have pants. And it's pre-treated with probably prethium. Prethium? Yeah. Um, it's a pre-treated material, and it's supposed to drive flies away or, or kill flies it's supposed to stop flies. 
So you buy this shirt, you put it on, it's, you're not supposed to have to use any more fly dope or anything. And it's supposed to be good for like 20 or 30 washes or something. I think that's the main ingredient in tick deterrence too, isn't it? Like they use that on ferns for horses and cattle. Yes. So if you can get this stuff, what I, my understanding is you, you soak your clothing, clothing in it and you put it out to dry. And while it's wet, it's actually fairly generally kind of toxic. You don't want it on your skin. But once it dries, apparently it's basically not toxic to you anymore. But it still kills flies. So it stays in your clothes and it stays in your clothes quite a while. It doesn't just wash out quite quickly. So uh, it is a method. Like, I don't know if you went up to like the, the farmer's co-ops or something, if they would have some of this stuff you could buy. But yeah, you just soak your clothing in it. That's my understanding. And, and uh, I don't know if you can find it in Canada, or if you do, you're going to have a hard time. I think Sawyer's actually makes a product specifically for the woods. They I've never do that up before. But I, I, I'm pretty sure they do sell it, like you say, for horses and stuff. So they won't sell it for human use. But they do use it because they, they treat like horse stalls and stuff with it. Mm. So um, Wonderwolf asks, any experience with chiggers? I got eaten alive with them last year. Um, so being another biting insect, most of the methods we're talking about will work for them as well. Uh, they are a little bit more resilient though. So honestly, fly dope is the best method on those things. Uh, and I mean, ultimately it, it's kind of the gold standard that everything else tries to imitate because it's literally a synthetic chemical that is derived for the sole purpose of repelling bugs. That's the name bug repellent, right? But, um, anything high in DEET is your best bet for almost any creepy crawlies out in the woods, but the more DEET you get, the worse, car or the, the worse the carcinogenic effects. So as Ben had mentioned here earlier, there used to be a type that would like remove the varnish off tables and stuff, which was great because it was high in DEET, but how good is that stuff for your skin? So you kind of got to weigh that out, right? Yeah, so I just looked up the no-fly zone stuff from Merck's, and it says last through 70 washes. No fly zone. Well, now you got me curious. I'm going to have to check this stuff out. It's Mark's. Yep. Uh, so have you ever heard of the bounce sheet? That was something else I wanted to bring out or bring up. Yes, I have. A lot of guys stick it in the back of their hat or whatever. Yeah. So have you ever tried it? I'm sure I have. Uh, and I'm, I, I don't remember it being overly great. I, I don't find any method overly great when the flies are really bad. Like the best fly dope you can get, I still find you get bit, probably maybe just less. <laughs> and that's just it. I don't think there is any proof material other than basically full body bug net. Uh, but it, it's deterrent <laughs> or repellent. The neat thing I've seen recently when I've got, uh, seen it for sale in a lot of stores down by where my cabin is, is um, basically there are these pipe cleaner um dragonflies yes um just, go ahead just stick them on your hat or on your shoulder and it's supposed to dr drive the flies away apparently they they recognize the shape and they avoid it so i actually have thorough experience with these because there was a guy at once again natural resources uh that used to fly a helicopter and we'd fly around with him and he always wore one and he made these things and we always used to kind of poke a little bit of fun at him you know great dragonfly stuff like that we didn't believe it worked but finally, we caved in and we got a couple of these things. Now, they don't work against mosquitoes or black flies or small insects like that because the dragonfly is not a natural predator of those. But what they do work for 
is things like deer flies, moose flies, uh, house flies, not so much. But like the bigger flies, they really do seem to work with those. They'll still buzz around you, but they tend not to land on you. And you have to put the dragonfly pin up as high as you can so they can see it all the way around. Because I yeah. tried just perching mine on my shoulder once, which was great, except they bit me on the back. And then Dave was like, no, 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 you're going to stick it on your hat, dummy. And of course, okay, I'll put it on my hat. And it worked great after that. So they do tend to work as long as they look somewhat realistic. That's that's pretty good because I, I know like at my cabin, especially when I'm out there swimming, you do get those horse flies or whatever you want to call them, stouts, and they're the big buggers and you're flying around and you know when they if they bite you that they're going to sting, it hurts. Uh, and I do everything I can to kill them. And you, you swim underwater and you come up and the friggin' thing's just still there, just circling, right? Waiting yeah. for the chance to come in at you. <laughs> and I don't know how something this big can feel like it takes the whole arm with it when it bites, right? Like it's impressive the bite they have but yo no i i swear these things actually do work fairly good too like i mean they once again it's not a hundred percent foolproof but there's a big difference between somebody wearing one and not because we actually did some experimentation on the fire crew with this uh somebody right. sacrificed well somebody didn't sacrifice themselves they kind of got ball and told they were going to be the guinea pig not to have their dragonfly on because we <laughs> took it off them when they weren't looking <laughs> So anyway, sure enough, they got eaten. We didn't. It was great. <laughs> For everyone but him. Well, yeah, he did not. Uh, he didn't see the humor in it. We did, though. So, I mean, it, it was a good day. <laughs> Remind me not to go camping with you again. <laughs> ah, it's all good fun. Don't worry about that. Um, but, yeah, no, I mean, so there's methods like that. Uh, the other ones that I played with quite a bit, especially when my kids were really young, is there was these little fans off cells. It was supposed to give you, like, a zone of protection. Mm -hmm. And you have the little um, cartridge you put in, and it takes a couple of batteries, and it, just the fan blows this scent around. And we used to use it for the kids when they were in, uh, in the car seats, and you'd be carrying them everywhere in car seats. We just... Clip one on the, on the hood of that and leave it running. So when you get to cabin or you're out camping or you, you're outside for a picnic or whatever, you just leave that thing running. And it was better than trying to spray stuff on your kids, which people mm -hmm. highly frown upon. <laughs> yeah, you can get kid-friendly bug spray, but it still says not to use it on them until they're like two or three or something like that, right? Yeah. So, um, um, the other thing, have you had any experience because i have zero on this and i have been authentically curious they sell bracelets now same kind of thing it rem reminds me of the f flea and tick collars for a dog yeah but it's actually a bracelet and you put this on it's supposed to have the exact same effect now i see it working great for the arm you have it on but yeah. would it actually go anywhere else we, we had the citronella ones um they were like the curly cord style like the girls wearing hair and stuff so like a foam cord if anyone remembers what a fork phone call like. Uh, but, uh, yeah, we had those style. And it, I don't know. You know, I think they probably do work to, to a certain degree. Uh, it's That's the thing. Like, unless you have, like, a guinea pig and you can send two people out. And it still would have to be a certain distance apart. Because if you have eight people with fly dope on outside and one guy without in the middle, he's going to get some help because that just that overall fly repellent in the area mm -hmm. they're probably 
would would cut the numbers down. But if you got 50 feet between you, I mean, it makes all the difference in the world. Um, sure. Um, Gary just chimed in there. Apparently, he had one of the hats from Mark's. Uh, yeah. He said it seemed to work, but unfortunately, he lost it on a bushwhacking portage. So, at least yeah. we know they kind of work. I mean, it's the... It should, ideally. Actually, I brought them up here. See if I can flip over to it without screwing things up too much here. There we go. Full browser. Uh, well, so this is kind of the stuff we're talking about. It's the men's tick and mosquito repellent. These just happen to be the pants. But as Ben said, yeah. they sell the shirt, hat, scarf. And, and I, think other it, I think it used to be closer to 80 bucks. So at $35, I probably would have tried it. But uh, Now, to be fair, this could be the American site. I don't know if there's an American or a Canadian or if it's just a Canadian I, company, but this is the first one I threw in that came up. Yeah, I, I just that's the one that came up when I just looked, too. And if you go down to the description, they'll show that it's like 70 washes or something. Uh, yeah, last through 70 washes. Yeah, but they, they seem to have limited sizes there. Yeah, these so, ones here, what is there, 36 to 44? So. Yeah, so if you're 34 or 32, good luck. And if you're bigger than that, well, I guess better good luck. luck. <laughs> <laughs> All the same around, good luck. But, yeah. Um, yeah, now, I was trying to remember what it was, and I kind of got it now in the back of my head here, if I can get the words out of my mouth. Um, you were asking about chiggers earlier there, uh, Wonder Wolf 303. Now, the last time that Ben and I were at the Nova Scotia Bushcraft Gathering, which I'm going to mention, I think they canceled for this year, if anybody was wondering. Unfortunately, Warrants and them made the call, and just because of the COVID and stuff, I believe they did cancel it. Check the Nova Scotia Bushcraft website to be 100% sure. But anyway, the last one we went to, there was a lady there, and she was giving away these natural bug repellents, and I think it was like... Uh, as Ben said, it was essential oils. It was lemongrass and a couple other things concocted into this, and... I was not a believer. I tried it, uh, and it actually does work somewhat. Uh, I didn't find it was great for mosquitoes, but I did find the black flies and gnats and chiggers and stuff like that did subside a little bit. So, yeah, um, years ago we used to buy the um, Skintastic. I, I don't know, you know, off Skintastic, and it wasn't being sold as a fly dope, uh, and we all used that, and it was just a yeah, it came in a bottle just like this one. Yeah, uh, I think we got some of that out in the cupboard. Uh, Skintastic still makes the stuff for kids, if I'm not mistaken. I think that's why we have some out in the cupboard. Yeah. But, um, yeah, we used to use it for years. At, grow, growing up, out, we used to go down to this lake where we had a ca cabin out there, too. And uh, flies could get horrible down there. And that's what we were using for years. And it seemed to really work. There's a lot of products out there that will work. The trick is to have them with you and use them and know when to kind of get it out of there when they get so bad. Um, like I said, I've, I've seen them where they move through the woods like clouds. Uh, I, I remember the, the worst I've ever seen. We were driving in a van. We went, we went uh, fishing. Um, some, some people that had a cabin near ours and we were at the cabins. We, we all went and we went in this big white van. I remember just driving along this dirt road and you could see them coming out of the woods and it was like, kind of like the movies. They're like, you know, when you're driving, you see the, the swab, swarms of, of birds flying. Mm -hmm. and, and you know how they just move like a big cloud. Well, that's what the mosquitoes were doing. And there was, there's enough of them that you could see them. Like they're just moving through the woods. And it came out and we were driving along the road and we ran into this swarm. And it felt 
it sounded like rain on the on the van. I've, I've seen that with black flies, not so much with mosquitoes. Uh, once again, coming back from PGIs, it would be nothing if you forgot the window down in the truck or something for like the windows to actually be darkened from black flies. Wow. Yeah. So, uh, the, the only other thing I wanted to mention on this topic, uh, to try and keep it rolling here is there are some things you can not do that will help you if that makes any kind of sense. And some of that has to do with diet and food. So you're going to bring a banana. Uh, oh my God. Yes. The old banana story works great for mosquitoes, but more specifically any kind of sugary treat, be it like yeah. an orange apple or anything like that. The juices from that, if you don't get it off your skin, good, uh, tend to attract more things than not as well. But the big one, as Ben was mentioning, and I was alluding to was bananas. Bananas are high in potassium and any fruit or vegetable that is high in potassium is going to naturally absorb into your body and excrete through your skin. And uh, the thing with potassium is it is a magnet to mosquitoes. And the running gag and why Ben was laughing there is my old house in Marigamish, we lived kind of right beside a swamp. And everybody would come over and we'd have like bug dope or something on, right? And they'd be like, why aren't the mosquitoes bothering you? And the joke was, oh, it's because we eat bananas. And we'd start giving these bananas out, right? And literally people would be, and it doesn't take long. That's the thing. By the time you eat a banana, it's only about an hour later where you'll start experiencing the effect. And then you just feed the person another banana and tell them that they didn't eat enough. And you can get them so amped up that literally they'll attract any mosquito within like 300 feet radius. It, it's great. It's hilarious. fun. I'm sick if anybody hasn't noticed that yet. <laughs> what I think is great tends to be funny uh, to me and not the people involved. But anyway, yeah. So bananas are a big no-no. Um... The potassium in them will seep from your skin and it literally attract really bad mosquitoes, but it will still attract more uh, black flies and flies and stuff like that. But the mosquitoes are just insane. And I mean, this is something you can literally physically see. Anybody listening, if you want to have a little fun, uh, take your significant other, a buddy or something like that, go into the woods and just start feeding them bananas. Make up some concocted story about how it's great for repelling bugs. And you don't even have to wear bug dope and you will see a noticeable difference but how that individual is getting eaten alive uh, and you'll be chuckling to yourself. Now, once again, uh, they do not take well to this once they find out the trick. So be prepared for that. <laughs> but yeah, that so, was the running gag in my house down in America, Mish, was we always fed people bananas. So we talked a bit about trying to avoid the flies and how to have it. But do you have any tricks to once you've gotten bitten? So yeah, there is a couple things that I use. Uh, and of course, the first one I'll name is Afterbite. We keep a little of that around for our little one, Lily. Because uh, it does, it really works. It works pretty good. It works not just for mosquito bites, which is mainly what we use it for if she gets a bad one. But it'll work for a lot of other insect bites and stings as well. And it'll alleviate a lot of the itch and pain. Uh, so that's a good one to keep on hand. But unfortunately, that does take a little bit of money. Uh, one that tends to work on mosquito bites, I find, is if you warm up a spoon. So if you're like a, a steel spoon, if you're making a cup of tea or something like that, stir it in your tea. And as soon as it comes out, just before, you don't want it boiling hot so it burns you, but you want it hot enough that it's almost slightly uncomfortable. 
and you touch it over the mosquito bite and it will pretty much alleviate the uh, the itch for a little while for you. Don't know what it is that's in there, if it counteracts, whatever they spit into your skin. But somebody told me that once I tried it. Maybe it's 100% psychological for me now, but it, I do find that works. What about yourself? No, no, no that, that that is true. They're, they actually sell somewhere. I haven't seen it in a while. There used to be like a, a machine. It looked a bit like a pen. And the end would heat up. And you put that on top of the fly bite had batteries in it you just push the button it would heat up and actually the heat or the uh the poison in it and and it helps alleviate it the other thing we used to use a lot growing up was aftershave stings a bit when you first put it on i'm not gonna lie to you but the the alcohol in it i was told sort of does the same thing it, it kills the uh the the, the poison the, the little bit of of uh, stuff that causes the swelling and that will uh, in effect alleviate it. The other one I've seen, I've tried it myself. It does seem to work is you take your fingernail and you press down in it one way and then go 90 degrees and press it, like put a cross on yeah, it. Yeah, You kind of make a cross on it. I've seen this one too, but I've tried it without much success, but I never have fingernails. So oh, I have tried it. It does seem to have some effect. Um, but it is really important that if you do get a lot of fibroids to to clean them, uh, make sure, you know, maintain that good hygiene because it is a break in your skin. It is a, an area for increased infection and stuff. So you really want to make sure you take care of that. And you get a lot of fibroids and it really can make you miserable. It could really, it does really have a huge psychological effect and a, and a physical effect on you. So you do, do want to make sure you care for it. So not only do you want to have your fly dopes, which everyone's, oh, yeah, take your fly dopes and stuff, but have those those uh, after bites and stuff. And the other thing I have had, and it's not a common thing for me, but I, I know I think you said your daughter's bad for it. One of mine's bad for it, too. Some people react a lot worse to fly bites. Mm, I've, had, issues. I've had a, an allergy to a certain type of insect bite where my whole arm swelled up one time. Um, so having something to deal with a, 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 like an allergic reaction isn't a bad idea uh you get enough fly bites i think anyone could eventually run those kind of risks so there's demerol or whatever the benadryl benadryl if you have a bit of benadryl maybe it's not a horrible idea in that type of situation if you're going to go out in the woods you do expect to deal with a lot of flies and insects it may be something, a good idea to have some of that, like a couple of pills or something in your first aid kit. I know your first aid kit's pretty uh, comprehensive, so I assume you may have something along those lines. I always carry Benadryl. Yeah. You never know. Like, you never know when you could take an allergic reaction to something you didn't know you'd take an allergic reaction to. And it could be the difference between getting out without much trouble or getting out with a lot of trouble, right? So. Um. So another thing to think about, I mean, this we, we're talking about the flies and the mosquitoes and stuff, because these are the common ones. We even mentioned the horse flies and stuff. We haven't really talked a bit about like wasps and hornets and bees. Uh, and I guess in the same range, like fire ants, things like that, uh, other insects that can bite and really sting. Um, the thing with like a, a wasp or hornet's nest 
is if you inadvertently disturb it and it happens you're in you cut a tree down next thing you know you're swarmed yep been there <laughs> uh, it that's that really makes your day bad like it they hurt a lot and you kind of have to get those stingers out uh with bees especially um they, they say take a credit card and sort of draw it over it and you can hook it out because it yeah uh because a bee stinger is barbed they only get one sting uh wasp and hornets tend to have straight stingers they can sting multiple times and those buggers bite bees yep. tend not to bite they just sting and it's kind of one and done unfortunately uh and that also means that bees are less likely to sting uh unless really provoked as were wasps and hornets tend to just be more aggressive buggers for right from the get-go they seem to just go out and be miserable just for the sake of being miserable well a bee generally dies from the bite yeah like, when the stinger gets pulled out of it that's the end of it but like you said wasps and hornets they can they can live to sting another day potentially. So, uh, but a lot of people do have allergic reactions to some of these type of bites, uh, and just the overall effect. Um, I know like they're not a problem up here. It's the killer bees down in the States and stuff. Mm. And my understanding is not that these bees have an overly powerful sting. They swarm. It's, it's the swarm. It's the fact that you, you didn't get one bite. You got, 400 bites and you have 400 bites in a matter of a couple of minutes so your system kind of gets overwhelmed with this this attack um so it's something to be very aware of when you're cutting a tree look around uh hornets and wasps can also tend to build underground shelters mm -hmm. uh so you could step into one uh it, it happens it's it's not fun not exciting <laughs> Well, it is exciting. <laughs> well, it's very exciting in the wrong kind of ways. Uh, they also tend to build them in, well, depending. Sometimes you can get them in longer grass, too, when people have stumbled upon them, just not looking down. Yeah. Um, so the thing with those is is awareness, for the most part. Being aware of what you're doing. Taking, you know, being careful what what you're doing. If you're just careless and not paying attention, not say the accidents can't happen, they definitely can but if you're fairly aware of what's going on, like you'll oftentimes see, if you see a lot of, of wasps or hornets around, there's probably a nest close by. You might want to be somewhat careful. Um, I don't know what your experience is on this. I find that uh, hornets, at least, or black jackets, whatever you want to call them, they tend to be attracted to more fluorescent colors. Not necessarily bright colors, but fluorescent colors. Like that old yellow motorcycle I had, you park that thing anywhere and it'd have like eight, nine hornets on it so yeah there is certain colors and stuff they're attracted to um and they're also attracted to sweet materials so i know some of the traps you put out for them is just sugar water basically and they'll go in uh the, if, i think you take a two liter bottle you cut the top off and then invert it and put it back down put some sugar water in the bottom they can crawl in they'll can't fly, fly out they'll fly down the funnel can't find their way back up through it and they get stuck in there uh, so it's a, it's not a great camp trick. No, but around home it works good. Same as uh, uh, if you put up fake nests, apparently hornets won't build around another nest. And yeah. uh, a lot of my neighbors, because this is a bad area for hornets, they swear by it. We tried it a little last year and it seemed to get quite a bit better. Well, um, I don't know. It seems to work. 
And I guess the other side of this is what do you do if you're actually stung? And one of the remedies that you can use while you're out in the bush is mud. Mud actually tends to alleviate a lot of the burning, swelling sensation, mainly because it's cool um, from a lot of stings and bites. And in a pinch, and I'm not recommending this to anybody, but if for some reason you are out in the woods and you're absolutely devastated by flies and mosquitoes and stuff like that covering yourself in mud will offer you a layer of protection they will not go through the downside is you are covered in mud so it does work i have actually been in an area where i was a hundred percent fed up with it and i tried it and it works it was just they, my uh, but it did work they say um the the <clears throat> The Red Indians, the, the Biafics in Newfoundland, they wore red ochre on their skin. And they say a part of the reason for that was it helps deter the flies. It makes it harder for the flies to, to bite them. Uh, so red ochre was a, was a mud, a clay used for that back home. Um, alleviating it, I, I wasn't sure on that one. I did hear uh, for wasps and stuff, I think you crush up an aspirin and push on to the wound. I've heard that'll numb the pain, make it a bit more dealable. Uh, I don't know. I've never heard of that one, but I do know around home, uh, when I was a kid, mud was the go-to. Like, if you got a bee sting, your grandparents slapped a big scoop of mud on it and said, there, hold that there for 10 minutes. And by the uh -huh. time it came off, it was actually pretty good. Penny was another one I heard, but you'd be damn lucky to find a penny. These An actual <laughs> copper penny? Yeah, you're not going to find that. It's going to be a brown colored lead penny <laughs> that's if you can find the penny like ben said but i have heard the copper penny trick too but that's yeah. kind of the same thing as with our penny stoves there's no penny stoves anymore they're nickel stoves yeah. <laughs> i i actually have at, in my uh, desk at, at work in the drawer i have about a dollar fifty worth of pennies uh various years that saved uh, there's probably some pennies floating around here somewhere if I look. Yeah. Um, and Chris, Chris Grillet was saying uh, cold compressors work for bug bites. Brings the swelling down and gets rid of the itch, which makes sense too. Because it's getting rid of that swelling, which is the irritant, which adds to a lot of the itch, right? Uh, so there's quite a few things you can do to prevent. Uh, there's quite a few things you can do to help alleviate. Uh... <laughs> So Chris said he heard of peeing on a hornet sting, took the pain away, never tested it, though. I don't know. I've heard that about jellyfish stings, and I don't know if that's true either. Something about the uh, the ammonia in urine or something neutralizes the sting. Uh, once, Just as he said, he's never tested it. I've never tested it. I don't know anybody that's actually tested it. But it's one of those things that we have probably all heard at one time or another. I mean, they've reference this on various tv shows and things like that so if anybody actually has some real life experience with that and not just yanking our chain i'd be interested in that i mean yes there's a gross aspect to it but at the same time um i've known some people that have really been stung bad with jellyfish like my mother was actually one of them she got uh into a jellyfish school and she was stung so bad that she almost passed out in the water once and i could see something like that you know what it's worth getting peed on if you're in that much pain Hopefully it's your own pee, but, you know, whatever. The case may be, I don't care about the gross factor on this. I am genuinely curious. Does it work, and where's the scientific 
method behind the idea here. I've never actually taken the time to look it up because I've never wanted to pee on myself. But if this works and it's legit, I'd be curious to see the information. So I, I worked with this guy one time. He, he lived in, uh, in Cuba. He was going down there. He was going to become a doctor. He didn't. But anyways, he lived down in, in Cuba for a year or so. He was going to school there. And he said he was out for a swim one day. And uh, he got stung by a jellyfish. He said his whole arm went numb. Like he couldn't, he couldn't use it. So he struggled to get back to the shore. And he got to the shore. And he walked up. And there was a bar there, like one of these uh, hot style bars, I guess. It's the way I picture it anyways. And he said he went in, he sat there and he sat down and the way he used to tell stories, hilarious. He said he just sort of grabbed his hand and he laid it on the table and he sat there and he's talking to the bartender and he told the bartender what happened. He said, well, you have to pee on your arm. And he said, well, what will that do? He said, it'll make the stinging go away and your feeling will come back. He said, and what if I don't pee on it? Oh, it'll come back eventually. He said, so I don't have to pee on my arm. And the guy's like, no, no. He said, I'll wait. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the thing. I've heard this from not, like I've heard it from a lot of people that assumed would just be yanking my chain. Don't get me wrong. But I've heard this from other people too, where I've always been like, maybe there's some truth to this. I've just never actually been willing to take that step. I've never been in a spot where I've needed to take that step either. Like I, I generally don't like salt water. So that pretty much alleviates me from jellyfish. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not a beachgoer at all. I don't like sand. I don't like salt water. There's nothing at a beach for me. <laughs> so, but I, I am curious if it works. Yeah, I, I'm not as big on salt water either. I'm much more of a freshwater guy personally, mm. too. Um, but uh, my father also had a story where he got stung. But I, He got stung bad enough that, that an old guy found him on the beach if I remember the story correctly, and brought him back to his house, and they, they cleaned him with something. I can't remember the whole story, but uh, he was treated for it, too. I don't think the old man peed on him. I really don't. But there are methods out there. There's obviously ways to treat, you know, different things, and if you have the correct material, you can get to the hospital. I mean, obviously do that. Um, we're not going to tell you to just try every homemade method that there is out there. And take No, not at all. First and uh, foremost, we are not doctors. We are just a couple of guys that have been in the woods a few times. Here's a here's a method I've I've seen. I think I've tried as a kid, not so much as an adult. Uh, Vaseline. It, it's messy, uh, but on exposed skin, you cover it with a, 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 a thicker layer of Vaseline, and the mosquito flies along and he lands on it. And he gets kind of stuck into Vaseline and he can't properly arrange himself to get a stinger into you. So he just kind of gets stuck there. Now, the downside is now you have bugs stuck to you, but they can't actually bite you. It's just like protective layer that just. But the benefit also is you're covered in Vaseline. And if you ever wanted to run from somebody, like, <laughs> they're going to have a hard time getting a hold of you. <laughs> uh, I guess the last insect we are getting a little later in the time there so I'm just going to drag us back a little bit that I want to talk to because it's a real problem <laughs> you're still laughing about that Ben <laughs> greased up crazy guy um, is ticks ticks are a real problem here I know we've covered them before but we might as well lump them in here just because it is getting time don't get me wrong ticks have already been out we've already pulled them off the dogs uh, my youngest dog Pickles he actually had Lyme disease so it's real it's out there uh dogs can catch it people can catch it 
and ticks are a real nuisance here in Nova Scotia, and they are getting more of a nuisance here in Nova Scotia as our winters are getting warmer. So ticks, the best preventative for them is, they say, high in DEET, or um, that chemical that's in those clothes at Mark's work warehouse. I can't remember. Petherin? Whatever it was. I'm not sure that's what's in those. It didn't say. But that's what I assume. It's some kind of version of that. Yeah, I know that one is recommended highly for ticks. Uh, but anyway, some sort of deterrent for ticks and long clothing, uh, lightly colored clothing. That way you can see them easier. And it's going to sound like it looks foolish, but it works. Is take your socks and tuck them up over your pant legs so they can't get up inside your legs. Take your shirt, tuck it into your pants. Uh, if you happen to be wearing gloves, same kind of thing. Just seal all the spots where you're at or where they could potentially get access. And uh, constant tick checks. When I, once again, worked for DNR, it was a staple with me coming home, depending on the time, well, basically all time this year, that I got my wife to check me for ticks. Uh, and it's just kind of a quick check. Um, you know what I mean? But the, the places they like to go are the darker, moister areas on any animal's body. So you'll tend to get them in like the crooks of your legs, in behind your knees, um, a lot of in under your arms. Belly buttons are a real common one. Uh, anywhere they think they can crawl in and you're not going to find them or they feel safe kind of deal. You know what I mean? Uh, I've gotten them... I've had more ticks on me than I can count now. And I used to be terrified of ticks. Like, I was really terrified of ticks and I got over it fast working with DNR. Um, but the most common place that I always had them was literally the waistband of my pants. I would fail to tuck my shirt in. I would tuck my socks in, look ridiculous that way, but then fail to tuck my shirt in. And I'd always get them just under the waistband of my pants. And I have freckles. I don't know if anybody can see it through the camera, but over my body, I get bigger freckles too. And always under my arm, I'd see that one and be like, ah, oh, there's a damn tick there. And it would just be a freckle. And then I would see one like on my waistband and be like, ah, oh, it's a freckle. And it turned out to be a tick. So always check. Uh, tick checks are number one. Their ticks are very, very resilient to most bug deterrents. Like high and deep is great. But I have like been covered in head to toe in some of the strongest DEET you can get in Canada. Uh, I might not have necessarily got it in Canada. And <laughs> I still had ticks on me. Um, so don't ever think that just because you got bug spray on, you're, you're covered. Ticks are a real problem. Check. Uh, they say it takes 24 hours before tick can transmit Lyme disease. It's open to debate. You know what I mean? The bottom line is the faster you find it and get it off you, the better off you're going to be. So whenever you have the chance, usually before you go to, like even if you're in the woods, when you and I rope Ben, uh, I did a real quick tick check of myself just as we were getting into our night clothes and stuff. It's just as easy as taking your hands and you just kind of, do you feel any unnatural little bumps that shouldn't be there? You know what I mean? And you just rub it over your neck, behind your ears, in your ears, and just, you're just feeling for bumps. That's it. Just tiny little bumps. They're... Uh, an actual black-legged tick is not much bigger than the head of a pin, in all honesty. Yeah. And it's the black-legged ticks that are the problem for Lyme disease. Not to say that other ticks don't carry their own diseases, because you can get... Uh, there's like uh, Rocky Mountain Fever. There, there's a new tick. Uh, well, not a new tick. A new disease coming around now on the Lone Star tick that makes you allergic to red meat. 
death, instant death. Yeah, like that's that's just a death sentence to somebody like me. <laughs> I, I live on red meat. So like there's a lot of things that can happen with ticks. It's not just Lyme disease. There's a lot of other things you can get from them, which are just no good. So a tick check is the quickest way to get through that. Uh, there are some ticks that are so small, even with a quick tick check like that, they're hard to find. The snowshoe hair tick is one that comes to mind. And I mean, it is like... It's crazy small. I don't even know how to explain how small that is. That's like, it's almost looks like the the pectin off a, a strawberry. That's how small it is. They're just a tiny little tick. Generally, they're not um, the culprits for carrying a lot of diseases, which is the only good part for a bug that small because it's almost impossible to find. But um, still, there's always the potential there, right? What do we have in the comments? There's a stone you can wear as a tick deterrent also. Never heard of really? that one, Chris. You're going to have to give us more information on that. Uh, it's brownish color. Lots of people put around ankles and necklaces made from it on their babies. Amber, is it? Maybe. First I heard of it. I'd be willing to look, at, look into that. Um, I, I, I followed this Russian guy. Um sure you've all seen him at some point in time he does some pretty good videos he talks about how the russian military dealt with it and they had tick traps built into their clothing uh and it kind of reminds me of the the zip off pants where you got like these flaps what he says is ticks tend to only want to climb up so they hit a, like a blade of grass they climb to the top of the grass and they kind of wait for someone to come along and they hook on to the next thing and they just keep climbing up until they find somewhere to bite but they always go up they'll never climb down they say I've heard that as well. And you made a good point about ticks. Ticks are opportunistic parasites. They don't jump. Uh, they generally don't drop out of trees, although they can. Uh, but yeah. they don't jump is the main thing. So you basically have to brush past them to get it. So avoiding long grasses in places where ticks are potentially are uh, is another really good way to, or a good preventative measure to take. But like you said, if you have your socks over your pants and are climbing your socks... Then they get to your pants. Where if you have your socks climbed in, they climb up your socks. They get in under your pants. So they always tend to climb up. Um, so when you're you're laying, it's kind of like shingles on a roof, but in opposite. You kind of want it to keep driving them up. The problem is eventually they're going to get to your head. Uh, but if you have these flaps uh, like along your your like on legs and stuff, the the Russians would actually open up those flaps and check them for ticks every now and then and if they found some in there then they knew they had to do further tech, tick checks yeah but they, these flaps will then climb up and they get into that that spot where they have no choice but to go down they'll just stay there they'll, they'll stop uh and it's it's that's how the trap works so it's just something to keep in mind i don't know if all ticks or just the ticks in that area maybe our ticks are different maybe they do go down i don't know uh i have no idea <laughs> First I heard of it, I mean, thinking back, and I've had a lot of ticks on me, you're right, I've never seen a tick crawl down. That being mm. said, that never really watched one on my body that long. As soon as i seen them, I generally want them off. So. <laughs> away. Go away, damn thing. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, like you said, tick checks, DEET. Uh, we were, with the search and rescue, they recommend the gators um, over, the, over your boots. Mm-hmm. 
Somebody wrote something there? Yeah, I was just reading what Chris said. It said, when rubbed by fabric or fur, and he's talking about amber here, amber stones released this pine scent, which is pleasant to humans and pet noses, uh, but repelled or repelling to ticks, though through an electric field. The rubbing of the amber stone against... And then it cuts out there. He must be looking for the rest of the thing. He was copy and pasting. Oh, okay. So basically, you rub it on your pets or clothes and it builds up a slight charge, plus this pine scent is what they don't like. Okay, and Gary is just saying, yes, ticks do crawl down. Uh, took a buddy out that never seen a tick. He tucked his pants into his socks. I didn't. He ended up with more ticks and somewhere under his socks on his feet. So apparently, wow. they do crawl down. Or his buddy spent a lot of time on his back or his feet up. Or he ate too many bananas. <laughs> but long story short, when it comes to ticks, do tick checks. That's the best preventative you can get. Uh, I can remember... Buddy Jeremy? I'll wait for him to reply back to that. Uh, <laughs> that's just because he's lower to the ground. <laughs> um, I, don't, I don't know what I was going to say. Actually... The time you and I went to the waterfall, when I came back from that, I had ticks on me. I remember messaging I you and told you to check yourself because I found two on me. Uh, one was on the back of my leg, so it went up my pants because I didn't tuck my socks in. And yeah. the other one was on my arm, but it hadn't embedded. It was just crawling around. So, you can now say you're more attractive than me. To ticks, at least. But to be fair... <laughs> This, okay, I'm going to tell you a little tick story. We're at 57 minutes. I'm going to throw it in here. Most people are going to zone out now anyway, which is fine. But I think I've told you this before, but to anybody that hasn't listened, uh, Lake Agmont, Nova Scotia, I don't know if you know you know where the area is because you're not too far off from it, but I don't know if our listeners are too far off. If anybody's wondering where it is, it's outside uh, Cooksbrook, Coldstream, Shubenacadie area in the, in that kind of ballpark. Anyway, Lake Agmont has always been a hotspot of the province for ticks. Uh, there was once an eagle in a ditch that we thought had a broken wing, and we were trying to catch this thing to put it into a rehabilitation center. And I only had to go down the ditch and into the woods maybe 15 feet. So I went down the ditch into the woods about 15 feet, bird flew away. So obviously there was nothing wrong with the bird. Walked back out. And me and my fire crew at the time, uh, his name's Matt, I won't mention his last name because I don't know if he wants me to or not, but anyway, Matt was with me and we started brushing ticks off me. Uh, for a three minute trudge through the ditch over and back up, we lost count at around 78 ticks. Not embedded into me, but on my clothes and stuff, right? So it was like, that was the worst I've ever seen ticks. And that's when I would have just taken my clothes off, soaked them in gasoline, and lit a match. Well, I was in the middle of the public. Otherwise, I probably would have, because this is when <laughs> I was still fairly fresh and a little bit scared of ticks. So I think for like three days, my skin crawled. Oh, yeah. uh, and then even after that, it was like a week later, we still found ticks in the truck. Oh, yeah? So it was like, oh, it was just horrendous. Again. Gasoline in the match. <laughs> oh, yeah, burnt everything. Screw it. DNR truck. We'll get a new one. Clothes. Everything's going. But what happened to our 8,000 truck? Well, there was ticks in it. <laughs> well, you see. 
But no, <laughs> but the point of that story is it's real easy to get a lot of ticks on you in a real short amount of time. I mean, that that's an extreme situation. And once again, Lake Agmont, uh, so Chris is actually fishing Agmont, but Lake Agmont, it was, and it probably still is, was a natural hotspot in Nova Scotia for ticks. It's not a very big area, don't know why, uh, but it was horrendous for them. And yeah, like I said, it was, my legs looked like they were kind of like crawling on their own. It was just gross. Um, we tried looking at most of them to see what types of ticks they were. Cause you know, natural resources were trying to find the black legged tick hotspots and stuff like that, which worked for about 10. And then after that, it was like, Nope, just get this crap off me. And we started brushing furiously. You know what I mean? Like they were starting to get a little too high on my body <laughs> and I did not like it. So anyway, long story short, it's real easy to get ticks on you. And like, I walked into this place looking around, seeing if I could see ticks because uh, I knew it was a hot spot, and I was like, I don't see anything, so I'm going to go for it. And I mean, it was just in and out, literally, three minutes or less, and covered. And if Matt ever sees this video, and I may link him to it just so he can comment on YouTube, he'll attest to it. Like, it was just horrendous, the amount of ticks we had. Yeah. <clears throat> Sounds bad. It was not good. But anyway, that's my tick story. Anyways, so yeah, so we've covered a lot of Creepy crawlies. Uh, like I said, it is coming to the time of year. I mean, the beauty of the, the fall and the winter was, you know, minimum amount of insects to really worry about. Like you said, ticks are kind of a year-round thing now here, unfortunately. But uh, they definitely get worse for some months than others. Um, or maybe not. I don't know. I think they're definitely worse. Uh, I think. I'm with you. I find the spring's the worst time. Um, yeah. though it's not really a bug, I will mention, uh, this is the time of year when snakes are going to start coming out of hibernation too. In Nova Scotia, uh, most of our snakes are harmless other than the fright factor. So you don't have to worry about it much, but they are going to come out. They're going to be a little groggy and they're going to be flopping around on the ground. Yeah. I don't, I don't mind the snakes. I'm not a fan, but they don't really bother me. I don't bother them. We got a few at the cabin. We had the, uh black one with a ring around its neck actually it was really kind of cool we looked it up they're fairly rare uh and then we've had garter snakes and stuff ring necked black ring neck snake or something or something like that uh we had a actually kind of along the same lines um we do get the um leeches at my cabin occasionally not a lot we just get a couple times a year you start to see them around the the, the shore anyways you know, they're the little black leeches you see them. And one day my daughter came to me and she was only little. And she came, she said, Daddy, I've seen black snakes. I was like, Oh, yeah, she's seen leeches in the water. That's what she's seen now. So I said, Oh, yeah, honey, that's, that's okay. Just stay away from the water. And uh, she said, No, no, come see. So we went down and went down. We had, we got the railroad tie like wall in front of my cabin, blocking the, the, the as a water break. So I looked down where the stairs were, and sure enough, there was these little tiny snakes, and they were going back and forth along the wood. Uh, and uh, there was dozens of them. Like it must have been like a nest of them in there, and they were just going back and forth along the wood. And the the railroad tires were right full of uh, tiny, tiny little frogs or toads. I, I can't tell tell you if it's one or the other. Uh, but they all were all toads or frogs, but not all frogs are toads. Toads are actually subspecies of frog. 
Yeah, okay. Uh, the only reason I know this is because, once again, the um, education center was just above my main office when I worked over there. And we had the reptile girl there. Uh, Amelia was really hard. in Amelia and Wendy. Uh, Wendy was turtles. Amelia was more reptiles. And the fun facts she would list off about stuff was amazing. Oh, yeah. So, anyways, but they were all, like, they were all about the size of my little fingernail. We got some photos of them somewhere. Uh, but they, they were really tired. I'm sure that's what they were eating. They're, they're, they're definitely living off that. But it was really neat. And I've had a couple of garter snakes there, like, big ones. Uh, and I got pictures of them going across those kayaks I got, the, the green ones. I had one. He was going across two of them. So his tail was on one edge of one. The two are sitting side by side, and his head was over the other one. You picture how wide those are. Like, that's a... That's a big snake. That's actually pretty big for Nova Scotia. I mean, most of ours fall in the one to two foot. Like, that. that's a big... Well, where am I? Like, two feet's a pretty good-sized snake in Nova Scotia, and you're talking, like, two and a half, three feet. Yes. Yeah, I'd say it's every bit of two and a half feet. Uh, it, it seemed like... like I, said, I have some photos and stuff. They're pretty cool. Um, we don't pick at them. We try not to touch them. We follow them around and get some photos and stuff of them because it's pretty neat. You can watch... I just find a way they move is cool. Um, That's the part that creeps me out. Not that you move like that. <laughs> now, Gary did say one comment that I want to bring light to because we always like to have a little fun on the channel. Uh, and if anybody notices, we poke a little fun at Jeremy. And I hope he pokes a little fun back at us on his channel. But uh, Gary said he once swatted Jeremy thinking he was a mosquito. <laughs> <laughs> so, Jeremy, if you watch this, buddy, that's our poking fun at you for today. <laughs> very good uh so yeah it's over an hour i guess we should probably let everyone go back to their their fun and exciting lives uh they like said the weather's starting to get nice i know we're getting some warmer temperatures now i mean we do get the odd freak snowfall and stuff here and i know in other places there's still you know winter isn't still let its its grip go but here in uh in the tropics in nova scotia it's starting to look quite good <laughs> and another silver lining talks of finally starting to lift some of the uh quarantine lockdown are starting to spring up around the country so hopefully not too much longer ladies and gentlemen and we will be able to get back to the woods yeah i i'm looking forward to seeing what those what that looks like because i think we're still going to see some types of restrictions yeah through most of the summer and Chris mentioned that garter snakes grow over six feet. And yes, we realize they do, Chris, just not in Nova Scotia. Je well, I mean, they can. Uh, it's just not common. Uh, one, they usually get eaten or killed off by predators. Two, just uh, around here, they never tend to get that big. Don't know why, just the area. You know what I mean? They tend to stay a little smaller. So. I dated this girl from this one small community in Newfoundland one time. And everyone there was like five foot four. See, it's a it's a geological thing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, Chris is saying Newfoundland's got an announcement tomorrow. I seen uh, New Brunswick. They already kind of have a plan, starting to lay out Saskatchewan, Manitoba, uh, even Quebec is starting to get their their ducks in a row to start lifting things. Uh, yeah, see, Quebec's kind of a bad one though, because Quebec got horrible horrible numbers. Yeah. And I mean, here in Nova Scotia, uh, for what it's worth, just to end this out, because we're still under quarantine, is our numbers look high, 
for how big we are and our populace, but per population, we have the most tests of the country. Like, we are testing far more per populace than any other province. That's why our numbers are kind of reflecting that. So keep and that if you in mind. Took, if you took the old age homes out, um, our numbers are actually not bad. Most of our cases are right now in in uh, in the homes, unfortunately. I mean, it's very unfortunate for them. But for the rest of the population, it does show that that isolation is working. Unfortunately, those are... Those facilities, isolation is is harder to maintain. Uh, food has to be delivered. They have they have you know that cross. Yeah, uh, it's it's a harder battle. I'm not dissing anyone that's that's working there and and, and the job they're doing. I think it's probably awesome. Uh, but that is like that one place in Dartmouth is got really bad numbers right now. It's unfortunate they have a bad outbreak in there, and it's. Uh, that's just really too bad. Uh, hopefully now they can contain that. But we still had 20 today, 15, I think, yesterday, new cases. So it's still growing. Um, but the end isn't, well, I personally figure the social distancing thing. Uh, if you're listening to Trudeau's talks, he was talking that could be a thing up until 2022. But yeah. there is an end to this eventually. Just keep that in mind. We're in the same boat, and we're all hopefully going to get some sort of alleviation to the the isolation. It may not be 100% freedom, uh, which, of course, would be a bad thing at this stage, but hopefully something's going to come along that's going to start making us feel more human again. Some common sense rules is what I'd, I want to see. Yeah, and I'd be good with that, too. But anyway, that's it for me. Uh, what about yourself, Ben? That's that's it for me. Like I said, do what you can, following the rules, and enjoy yourselves. Like I said, hopefully this comes to an end, to at least some degree. Give us some freedom to be outside, you know, still social distancing, but being out and doing stuff. I think would be great. Uh, and, and you know, learn some new stuff. Get get some books out there, forging and stuff. That's that's some great great area to to put some effort into right now. Uh, learn to protect yourself from the, the risks. I mean, we talked about insects and, and animals today. Um, it's one of the, the biggest risks we have here in this province from like wildlife um, over anything. I mean, wildlife, wild attacks here in this area of the country. I mean, I know like at BC, you get a few more bear and, and the potential of the odd large cat type attack. Um, but Nova Scotia, we had, what, one county attack in the last 20 years? Yeah, and I think, I don't think we've, and I could be wrong, this may be outdated information, but I don't think we've ever had a bear attack that resulted in a fatality in Nova Scotia. No. So Not that I'm aware of either, but uh, I, 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 I mean, it's, it's fairly rare for like a wild animal to attack and harm somebody here in, in this area of the country. Um, so not that it can't happen once again, no, common no. sense, right? Don't right. go poking but, the bear out in the hole because <laughs> they're but, starting to come out of hibernation too. They're still, they're coming out being a little cranky and stuff. So yeah, take, take care of yourselves. You know, don't take unnecessary risks, but do, do know that like I'm, everyone that goes in the woods is going to get bit by a fly. Virtually no one in the woods is going to get, uh, bit by a bear. 
Yeah, and that's yeah. just kind of it. So common sense rules, guys, and uh, bear burgers. Uh, <laughs> reading comments. But yeah, common sense. Uh, it goes a long way. I know there's the old uh, antidote, there's no such thing as common sense, only acquired knowledge. Uh, well, hopefully that's what we're doing, if you believe in that, is we're allowing you to acquire some knowledge and just be safe in the woods. Give it a good thought before you do it, and if you think there's some risk involved, mediate the risks. Anyways, night all. We'll talk to you all later. Have a good night, everybody. We'll see you next week.